Ronald Nesty here, live. Artists on lockdown, hanging and banging once again. 49 episodes on our way to 52. We're going to be having a big celebration for our one year. Uh, we are hanging and banging tonight with some special guests. Uh, I tell you what, each week we uh, get the backstage stories from Legends of Rock and Roll. And I do it with my brothers. We're going to bring them on now. Uh, you know from Dio. You know from Black Sabbath. You know from Last in Line. You know from this show, Artists on Lockdown. Where's Vinny Apice? Come on, my brother. Hi. <laughs> what are you doing now? You, you, know, you always have an opener. Give me your opening line. No, no, no. I was just looking. I mean, what do you think? I'm thinking of buying this. Hang on. Wait. You know what? That is so, you know what? That is so you. So you, I don't know if you remember, but when we were kids, the girls, because my sister had played this game, Mystery Date, and you look like the James Bond <laughs> Mystery Date guy with that jacket. <laughs> look at that. I mean, who wears the white jackets? I never see any. Oh, sorry, Ron. <laughs> All right, you're busting my chops Sorry, already. Dude. We're 13 seconds into this. You already busted my onions, Vin. <laughs> <laughs> onions? I got onions. I got little onions. You should see them. Anyway, what, tell me about your shirt. What is that, the Blackguards? Uh, I don't know. It's a band. I did an interview online, and they sent me a shirt. And uh, I like the colors of the shirt, the skull thing, you know. But I like the red, kind of blood red thing going on well i think you're wearing for, i'm running out of shirt i was gonna say i think that's why i'm trying to get the blazer you know i think uh yes i don't know you gotta be a certain kind of guy i think that's why you're wearing that shirt for two reasons first of all it's a cool shirt second of all it's clean so you know it's not in that pile and it's pretty clean <laughs> relatively yeah uh, speaking of clean but they speak they sent me a coffee mug which i love it's one of these Nice shaped coffee mug, so every morning. Oh, really? So you use the Blackguard coffee mug, mug every morning? Blackguard. It's a kind of an Irish rock band. So I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up. Fun. Hey, you know what? i got to bring this, our, 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 our guy, our, our brother, because uh, I just love his look. Or lately, I don't know. It's so fatherly. You know what I'm saying? He's got this fatherly look. You know? Hey, everybody. I think it's because you're into white, dude. You're wearing this white is an jacket. off-white. This is like a beige. So white hair. White hair. Dude. I know. That's what it is. I got it, too. Hey, let's bring him to, let's bring him to the screen. From Vanilla Fudge, uh, Jeff Beck, Rod Stewart, and so many other things. From Drum Wars, of course, and from Artists on Lockdown, Carmine. <laughs> Here it is. Here's Carmine Apiece with his new look. And his hat. I need a drum roll. But <laughs> there he is. I was saying, no, you know what? No, lose the hip for a second. Hey, dude. Because look at this guy. He looks good. He's got this. You got That's this real, like, hair. you know, this, you're like. Got a, hair. Well, God bless him for that. But you got that real, like, rock and roll Engelbert Humperdinck look. So I don't know how that's. <laughs> I do. I do. I do. I, what's I with, what's with that shirt? This what's is with my, that this shirt? Is my, this is a heavy metal shirt, Vinny. He's got all crosses on it. Look at that. Really? Yeah, Barkley? Yeah, look. So they make those for all, men too, right? They're all crosses, all crosses. Mm. I wore that for you, Vinny. I wouldn't wear Bloggett's shirt. You know, <laughs> I, I used to get I shirt. A... I got shirts from people at like, sessions too. And I, but Ann Esty called. She wants her top. Ann Esty, you have an Ann Esty? Nah, there was an Ann Esty. She's resting in peace for yeah. a long time. But I, I yeah. just brought. Yeah, her I just up. got it. Yeah, should have said Aunt Joyce. And Joyce, yeah, and Joyce. Well, she yeah. asked in peace. Yeah. Hey, let's. Uh, I, I wore this specifically so Vinny can bust my balls. 
Well, he's got none left because. And I did. He, <laughs> he, but I think, Ron, I think you look really good. I don't know, man. I'm going down this road. I mean, I got. I was going to use some, like, I got some major, major jackets coming for you, Vin, that I think it's really going to. It, it may, I, mean, I have a couple too. I think myself. it's going to literally arouse you, Vincenzo. I'm going to wear them on 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 a party on the first. Yes, but you look you look like a real little freaking Brooklyn guy, man. I'm like a, I'm ready to be. Yeah, in, yeah, I'm ready to be with the hat in the Sopranos movie not, or the next Quentin Tarantino. Movie. Not with that shirt. Yeah, on. that's true. You get your ass kicked walking around <laughs> shiny like that. <laughs> That's right. Forget about it's it. It's hard to be tough wearing Aunt Estes blazer jacket shirt. I, know, I, told, I, told, I, told, I knew <clears throat> I wore this just for Vinny the buzz ball. Well, that's because I fixed his computer yesterday. Oh, he was yeah, a man. Fucking, oh, my God. He was having a shit fit. I was. So called right, me three times. I'm right, three I'm right called in the my middle girlfriend. of stuff. I'm right in the middle of stuff. I, I, can't, <sighs> I can't fix it. Well, you know what? It's good. And it was user error. User error. Isn't it nice to have a little brother you can count on, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I got to call him 15 times to get him to call me back. All right. All right. Do I got to separate every, you Every two? five minutes. Look, we could talk about your little brotherly freaking issues right now. Or, all right. Come on. Or we could get to some amazing guests that we have tonight. <laughs> let's do the guests. Let's bring the amazing guests. Let's guest. bring the amazing guests. I tell you what, I, I don't know. Every week we're just freaking, the, the people that we have on this show is just tremendous. And tonight is no different. We're going to start out. You know this guy from MTV. You know him from VH1. You know him from so many. Uh, I was actually reading about him in Rolling Stone magazine uh, recently. Let's bring the DJ VJ extraordinaire, Mr. Matt Pinfield. Hey, buddy. Hey, hey what's going hey, on, guys? How are you? Hey, bro. Hey, great to see you guys. Carmine, good to see you yeah, again, man. Yeah. It was great to just hang out with you in L.A. recently. And Vinny, yeah, good to see yeah. you, buddy. You too, man. How, How are you, you doing? Man? Good. I'm doing great, you, man. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's great to see you again, too. You know, I was just thinking about the first time I saw you live with Derringer, man. Oh, like the 77, Holy 78 shit. when I at New York Palladium. And uh, wow. it's been, uh, it's, yeah, it's been, I just, you know, I had these long talk with, as soon as I found Carmine, of course, I was right there at his ear because I love, you know, I've been a fan for so long. And a big record for me as a kid, you know, was the Beck Bogart A Peace album. Yeah. You know, I heard it on any WFM mm. when I was a kid. I heard, why should I care? And I went, I'm going to go out and buy that when I was like 11 That's years funny. old. I mowed a lawn and delivered papers to buy it, and I bought that you record. Call me, I would have uh, your copy. I know. I wish I would have known your number. I probably, it, it probably, I would have looked it up, but I don't think you. Who's this kid called? If you would have looked it up, you would have got my mother and father. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's they, amazing, they did right? Phone and calls it, at the house, and you know, and Vinny, you know, besides the Derringer stuff, I, you know, I love you. The Holy Diver, uh, Mob Rules, all of things, just killer. Thank you. So. It's great to hang with the brothers. Thank you. And, you know, I want to say to Ron, and I've, I've said this to Carmine before, but it's, and I just had this conversation here in this studio, and I'll tell you about that in a second, but my favorite cover of all time, my favorite cover song ever, is the Vanilla Fudge, You Keep Me Hanging On. I think it's Thank the greatest oh, yeah. cover ever recorded. And, there, and I've said this forever. I said any, uh, the fact that uh, less, almost less than a year to the release of the original Supremes version, you guys put that out, deconstructed that song. It's still as powerful today as it was when I got that record when I was a six-year-old kid. <laughs> I bought that 45 on Atco. I actually made a t-shirt wow. out of it. I should have worn Whoa, it today. I didn't have. think about it. I have a t-shirt that is the label 
of the wow. single. This is that cool. You keep me hanging on to Vanilla Fudge right there. And I, because I think it's one of the greatest recordings but, of all time. Hey, Matt, I mean, I just never let up. You know, to just just you to know. add on to that, because he gets a little shy here, but to add on that whole greatest recording of all time, something that I learned on this show, and we've referenced it a couple times, not only is it one of the greatest, if not the greatest recording of all time, it was done in seven minutes for one take. One take mono. With, with no, with no uh, monitors. Live. It was live. It was live. Which unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, you're the, you, the way you're playing like a train, man. You're just like that feeling, the stop and start, everything. Mark Stein's yeah. voice, just, it's yeah. so yeah. good. Tim, well, we're, we're I mean. We're mixing now. We're mixing <laughs> stop in the name of love. Uh, we yeah. him on it and Tim passed away. And and that we're going to try and get it out in the month. You should. Yeah. Because both of them had had hanging on in their, their movies, you know. And I love the fact that Quentin went at the end of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. I was so excited it was yep. on there. And he did his own edit of it, which he credits himself because yeah. he, he yeah. took the <laughs> album version and the single version and he kind of like did a hybrid so it worked for the time. And yeah. it was, but it was so perfect for the end of that movie. And it's still one of, honestly one of my favorite recordings of yep. all time. I, well, I, I tell everyone that. And it's, it's like, funny, my, my older brother, <laughs> it was his birthday a couple of days ago, and he called me yesterday and he said, Oh man. I saw this movie, Quentin Tarantino's movie, and Vanilla Fudge was in it. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah, what is I with that, Frank? Carmine knows all when it comes to that. When it comes yeah. to that. I work Where, with his where's office. the check? Where's work, the check? Yeah. I work with his office putting putting the uh, the mix together and all that. Oh, that's cool that you did that. That's yeah. amazing. Um, and I love that. So I, with you two guys and drummers. And by the way, I'm in a studio right now. I am in Fisher, Texas. It's an hour outside of Austin. And the board behind me is the actual Neve board from from Graceland, the one that Elvis was wow. Elvis no Presley. And they would sometimes oh, I ship thought, it around. I thought it was a green screen behind it. <laughs> no, it's real. It's actually that. Wow. There's wow. also James Brown's microphone that he used for Papa's Got what, a Brand New Bag is here. And Carol what are you King. Doing? What are you doing there? I'm out here working on a project. So I'm like, I'm here for a few days. And it's really nice. It's in the Hill Country. Nice. And, um, uh, the guy, a guy who was from Austin, who had you know been a major original Fender dealer, who had given, who had got George Jones and people like that their first ever Fender guitars, uh, actually got a lot of the equipment here. So he bought Carol King's piano she used on Tapestry. Her piano is here in the other room. Wow. He bought it in '73 from A and M Studios where she recorded <laughs> Tapestry. I saw you so, tweet that picture. Yeah, it's it's beautiful, and this place oh. is incredible. I'm just hanging out here. Doing some work. There's four golden retrievers running around. They're great dogs. It's just a cool, super, super cool vibe. But you know, I love the music history stuff. You know, and so, absolutely. So being on absolutely. here with you guys, with You're you, on the right Carmine, show. you and Vinny. You're on the oh, right yeah. show. Yeah, and I gotta also tell you that the guy who like got me set up in here today, who's a drummer, said Realistic Rock, the book. He loved that that book. Carmine was like, he said it. It was the thing that got him really like that's what he that's got what him made into drums. Vinny good too. Yeah. Actually, I didn't go through that book. <laughs> yeah. Liar. Yeah. No, I, I didn't. I didn't. I went through stick control, syncopation, old Dick's book, our teacher Dick. Yeah. And then he put, but I heard him on record, so I copped all his stuff on record. <laughs> you know, you know it was it's easy. a piece of cake. Speaking of copying stuff and having great drumming, 
Let's bring the next guest. Yeah. Oh, boy. You well, it. you know what? I don't know. What's he got to do with copying things, though? But, you know, we'll find out. You know him from Sticks, of course, uh, but just a great guy. He's got some great stories. I can't yeah. wait because I've got a personal, personal thing with this guy. I can't wait to bring to uh, the show. Let's bring him. Todd Zuckerman from Sticks. Yeah. Hi, Todd. Hey. God. All right. Gentlemen, yeah. how are you? Todd. Good to see you, brother. Likewise, thank you for having me today. Regards and respects to you all. Yeah, man. Is that a real? Is that real drums behind you? Is that your That's house? Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean yeah. on the wall, on the wall. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Holy yeah, shit. I, 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 I could go and hit them, but I'm I'm uh I, I was born with more cord than this actually. Um, <laughs> Mark, yes. Mark Schulman told me to to say to to Todd, could I borrow a snare drum? No, he'd never no, miss he it. He doesn't have one. <laughs> as long as I get it back. Oh my God. Well, you know, these guys have drum wars. You've got drum porn because look at behind <laughs> you. I mean, really. And you know what's kind of like one of the sexiest thing about that is your racks, is those shelves. Are those custom? Oh, thank you. I mean, um, you got a nice rack there, buddy. <laughs> the, the, the sort of, I, I don't know how interesting this is, but the, the original racks over here were actually lack shelving from Ikea that I got when I lived in Los Angeles okay. easily uh, 20 years ago. And those are long discontinued. And so I had to have a carpenter um, make them, you know, replicate them at a much greater expense than what oh, yeah. Ikea yeah. was. Oh, yeah, bad. So Very cool. Uh, but yeah, had had to keep it symmetrical. That's cool. My my Very snare great. drums are under a table, a coffee table. And, That's the thing. We've yeah. had so many drummers on the show, obviously, and they all have them either in forest uh, piles or or here and there. I mean, that is the most organized. You yeah. know, it's, yeah. it's almost like an exhibit. Yeah. Like, well, I, mean, I, I know you guys remember like Frank's Drum Shop and, yeah. and Drums Limited yeah. in Chicago, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I grew up in Chicago and, you know, my father would take me down there and there, there are two competing drum shops that were just a couple doors down from each other. And, you know, you, you'd go there and there'd be like the little old guy with the, like the Bellman hat and hat, you know, yeah. uh, like right out of a David Lynch movie, you know, the little guy that would run the <laughs> elevator and you get in the elevator, go up to the fourth floor and the, the elevator doors would open. And it was like the yeah. Willy Wonka. You know, <laughs> yeah. <you'd walk> in. <laughs> right. So I, I, if I, if I were to psychoanalyze myself, I think I kind of wanted to create that that vibe, that childhood wonderment vibe every time I walk in here. So so here's the thing. First of all, I love I, I'm a huge fan of Todd, and he's a he's a Chicago guy. So you got to love that. You know, we share that in, in common, of course, and so many people that watch this show. But if you're from Chicago and you're old, I'll say, um, you know about something that was huge from the 1930s to, i don't know you have to correct me uh, todd about 1960s but there was a joint there was a joint you know where i'm going here todd there was a joint called the chez paris and that was the place that was the club that's where after all the big shows sinatra dean martin sammy davis louis prima everybody hung at gene it was krupa. amazing gene krupa all of them and uh, a, a guy by the name of Jay Schatz uh, uh, owned it, or, um, not originally, but uh, in the 40s. I got to know him and his daughter. And uh, it's an amazing, amazing place. It's not around anymore, but with amazing history. And Todd's dad was the house drummer for this place. Wow. 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 He, he was one of the house guys for 18 years wow. man, and played with everybody. He did a gig on Krupa's drums when, when, uh, wow. when uh, Krupa went there. He let him use his drums. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, 
he was a doctor, he was a podiatrist by day and he gigged at night and he wow. had offers to go on the road, but he could never go for more than like a couple of weeks. He was Lena Horn's drummer for a while in the forties wow. and maybe early fifties. Uh, and he did some stuff like that, but yeah, you know, do you remember then in the nineties, the location where the shape pre was 610 yep. North Fairbanks, North Fairbanks, that was a place called river North recording studio. Mm -hmm. huh. So, as I was coming up the ranks in Chicago, that was one of the big studios. So it was a buzz for me to think this is where the Shea Paris was. And now I'm working here, you know, decades and decades later. That's so, cool. yeah, that's, that's, it's really crazy. Well, that explains why your father took you to a drum shop. Because my father yep. never took me to a drum shop. Right, Ben? No. That's great. No, it was my, the my dad. Sam Ash. We went to Sam Ash. Yeah. Right. That was it. Brooklyn. But my, my father's office was downtown and it was like three blocks from the drum shops. Huh. So on Wednesdays and Saturdays, he worked half days. I'd go down there and just, you know, be a kid, hang out at his office. And then, all right, let's go. Boom. And we go hit, hit both places. And, you know, I just walk around with my wide eyes, my mouth. So just open. another question. Uh, all the drums in the back that are piled up, are they all the same brand? Uh, this this is the, the Sonar Forest, and then over there is the Pearl Forest. Oh. <laughs> I've got my father's Slingerland kit. You really can't see it. It's over there, which is a, with an 18-inch bass drum. Wow. Uh, and then I've got the uh, the Cantaloupe Monstrosity over here, a 1978 uh, premiere uh, octopus style concert tom, uh, wow. 6 through 16. That's, so that it's is three so very different vibe. I know. It's incredible. And that's, it, that's where it, I, mean, I was do going. You have, do you have room to move around? Oh, yeah. I, again, I'm sort of tethered to this. Yeah. But, you know, there, there's a pathway that way and this way over to the, <laughs> the studio area. Yeah, because my, my place in, in the guest house, I got what used to be the living room. The drums are in there with the computer. And I got a coffee table I used to have from Brooklyn. I got the speakers on there <laughs> and all that. Underneath that, I got snare drums, you know. But walking out, it's like, a, you know, it's like an obstacle course, you know. No, and, yeah, I'm, I'm always, the, the room mics are in here. See, the room mics are here. See, the, uh -huh. the drums are in there, and and the room mics are here in the living room. Would <laughs> you ever get, hire yourself, Odd Todd, to be a, like a interior decorator and help, like you know, drummers, uh, you know, wayward <laughs> Drum drummers decorator. organize themselves? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, like playing the drums, we all have our own styles. Everyone has their own way they want to set up their space, whether there's thought put to it or it's just stuff's everywhere. Uh, um, yeah. But I, yeah, I don't know it, 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 they'd have to buy all this stuff and, that, and then I could set it up just like this. I mean, I, have a, lock, I, I have a locker in LA that's probably as big as your room filled up with junk, with drums. I mean, it's just filled, but it's nowhere organized like that. <laughs> but, but do you guys have like a backlog of old kits and touring kits? Do you, do you still have a lot of the, yeah. the stuff in the yeah. old Call my ass more. I have a I have a Slingeland um, <clears throat> Purple Leopard Radio King kit that Slingeland made in 2004 before they closed. It's got four bass drums, right? 22s, 24s. It's got 10, 12, 13, 16, 18, and a 20, 20 by 20 wow. Gene Krupa kind of uh, wow. floor tom, all right? And it's you know hand painted. You open up the case, you can still smell the paint. I never even played the drums because it's so beautiful. And I said, well, how much is something like this worth? And he said, as much as somebody wants to pay for it. Yeah, right. I said, it's the only one in the world. 
Well, know? don't sell that, and brother. I got don't that. sell I got that. A couple yeah. of Mapex. I got uh, a D drum. Mm -hmm. I've got just old couple of old snare drums. I have a I have a <clears> 1924. <throat> I'm sure you have a 1924 Ludwig Black Beauty. That's one thing I don't have. I never, wow. I never splurged on the old Black Beauty. I, I got a, a 1937 Leedy Broadway. It's a beautiful drum, but uh, I mean, I have a bunch of Black Beauties, but they're they're modern day, and you know, John Aldridge yeah. engraved one of them. I, um, I bought but, mine in a pawn shop. That's P A W N. <laughs> five dollars. I paid five dollars. And in 1968, I couldn't get the cat guts, so I put a 1968. Uh, snare system on there oops and uh they say <laughs> I, I it kills I the value some of the value but because it's mine Plummet. and mine's a 15 inch but you but you could play it i, oh, I, I was always freaked out of the, the, the cat gut stuff i'm like yeah, it's, yeah. i'm just buying a a, a piece of art yeah. or a a, 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 yeah. a a vase or something you know yeah. i play the it best, it sounds really great great the really best great. thing i got all the drums are in the garage some drums in here i got john bonham's drumstick hanging on the wall that's cool. Where did you get that, Vinny? Where did, did you? I was in Spain in the 80s, and some girl came up and said, hey, you want this? And I look and said, John Bonham. I went, yeah. And I kept it in my sock drawer for 40 years or something. And finally, uh, I verified it with uh, uh, Hard Rock Cafe. They had one of his sticks hanging on the wall. And I look at it. It's the same exact stick. It just says John Bonham in script. There's no name of the stick on it. And he, he played with the tip, you know. And yeah. uh, and then I asked Jason, when I saw Jason Bonham, I described the stick, and he said, yeah, that's a stick. So then I got it mounted and put it on the wall finally before I lose it, you know. The holy grail, the holy grail. Yeah. Hey, Matt, Amazing. you know what? Hey. Uh, I, I was touching on this uh, prior to the show. You know, I, we all are. I know I am a huge fan of yours, following you on your journey. It's been, uh, uh, you know, a little bit of a rocky road, a great career, but a little bit of a rocky road. And, uh, you know, you, you came back strong, brother. Real proud of you. How are you feeling these days? Oh, I feel great. You know, I'm sober. I just re I passed. Last Saturday was a year sober. You know? God bless oh, you. Good. So good doing good, man. You know, good. just uh, feeling really good, guys. And, you know, I mean, the most important thing to me, obviously, is uh, is music and my kids, you know, my family. Yeah. And, I, and I just, you know, so, I mean, I'm completely feeling great. You know, better than ever. You know, you guys know I got hit by a car two and a half years ago. You may or may yeah. not know, but that yeah, happened. an accident. Yeah, that was I crazy. Know. I didn't know. And yeah, I Carmine, know. I was literally crossing the street in Hollywood. I was sober actually while I was crossing the street. A woman ran a red light, forty miles an hour. Oh. I tried to jump out of the way, snapped my leg in half, compound fracture. Oh. Head went through her windshield. Oh, she my. hit the brakes. I went in like a bullet, and it tore oh, my head open God. and tore my ear off. And then I just literally like flew out. And about 15 feet landed on my back and my head and oh miraculously wasn't paralyzed, you know. Wow. Um, but I learned how to walk again, you know. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I was on a walker for a long time. Still going to rock shows. Still going to rock shows. And also, <laughs> I hope, I hope and I a cane. Nothing stopped you. Good lawsuit on that one. Oh you know, I, I, I'll be honest with you guys. I didn't because wow. uh, the person had really bad insurance and they didn't really have anything. And I, you know, oh, we did an asset God, search. That's horrible. So, I mean, I, I could barely make my hospital bills. But, you know, I, here's how I look at it in a positive light. I try to put a positive spin on it. And that is, I could have been one of those people that got a lot of money, but, like, no longer could use my legs or speak yeah, right. or have my face smashed up. So I got to look at the bright side that I'm yeah. grateful. I can still do my radio shows, man. I can go see, you know, see music. I mean, I've, I've got full use of my legs. Wow. 
Just a metal rod in there, but I, you know, I'm hiking at Griffith Park. I'm all over the place. Well, so, kind of rod, yeah. Rod Stewart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, right? Speaking of guys, I mean, it's it's <laughs> amazing. I just love that I'm with the with the two brothers and Todd. It's it's great to meet you too. Yeah. I know that. You're not far away, man. How 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 far out of Austin are you right now? All right, I'm in I'm in Fisher, so I'm in Hill Country. I'm like literally, you know, um, it's like in that area of Fisher. So it's 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 Studios by Fisher is, is this place, and like I said, they bought right behind me is Elvis Presley's the board, the knee board from Elvis Presley's Graceland that was they would disassemble in three pieces and wow. send it on the road, but it Ooh. was it ended up there. The Carol King piano is in the next room, and it's and crazy. The, uh, and a bunch of other really cool stuff that's here. And I just, uh, so I'm out here working on a project and it's just really nice to be out. Cause I'm usually that's in LA, right. you know what I mean? And, uh, for now, yeah. but, but I'm an easy. And, and, Cause I'm, I'm west of Austin in Bee Cave and I, I fell in love with the, the hill country out here. It's just the beginning of the hill country before it really gets, you know, further, uh, further out west. But uh, you know, it's beautiful, isn't it? It's gorgeous. You know, I think I'm a little closer to San Antonio, which, you know, I, I haven't been near there in years, but it's really nice, and you know, like I said, I love Austin, and I think it's Texas great. Texas is cool. Texas yeah. is great. There's a lot, lot of lot of great places in Texas. A lot of great music history too. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I just love. I mean, I still have not gone to Lubbock, Texas, because I want to go to Buddy Holly's play, birthplace, right. Right. or Clovis, New Mexico, where Norman Petty's studio was, where they, he would cross the border and record. I mean, there's so much history, man. I love yeah. all of that. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. That's what the show's all about about the history. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Todd, obviously, uh, you know this in, in July coming up, it'll be the 25th anniversary of the loss of, uh, of uh, original Sticks drummer John Panazzo. And, um, and also when, you know, you took over for him uh, as a friend of the band at the time. Um, it's going to be a very special time in July uh, when, when we hit that, that mark. Um, you, you know, you came into the band when John wasn't, wasn't well. And... Um, yeah, and you were you were just trying to you know you're trying to make things happen. Then they asked you to to join full time when he passed. When that happened, I mean, what was going through your head about you know you can't really plan or try on filling shoes that kind of thing. But that's a huge freaking responsibility, man. I mean, what was going through your heart, mind, and soul when that was going when that was happening? Well, I mean, I, I remember that that week we were in New York for a week. We had. Um a couple shows and we were doing some TV shows out there as well. And, you know, I, I had all the records when I was growing up. So I knew the material. I was in bands that played the song. So when they asked me to do the summer tour, I was not intimidated um, musically, but uh, from all accounts, from everyone that I heard and, and friends of the band and their families, John Panazzo was the funniest guy Mm-hmm. they'd ever met so he was a big personality you know maybe how kenny jones felt replacing keith moon sure there's a giant personality that's no longer there and he's dead so that makes it even you know kind of weirder and in my case the bass player was his literal his twin brother his brother yeah wow. so you know i had to you know kind of gauge the landscape you know and 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 sort of see how things felt personally as right. opposed to you know just mu- musically because uh i was a constant reminder that one of us isn't here anytime they turned around and in, mm-hmm. in chuck's case his brother so when he 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 died it was it was unexpected but um looking back it was expected because he was really in yep. in critical shape 
but he, he passed away. We all met in Chuck's room. Um, we talked about, you know, canceling a show and when there was going to be a service, when we'd fly in and do that, blah, blah, blah. And I, I made myself very scarce. I, I went out with one of my best friends who lived in New York, you know, went to, went out to eat, went to a couple bars. And when I came back to the hotel, I walked in and I mean, this is a moment I'll, I'll never forget. I heard JY's laugh, James Young laughing in the bar and the, ho the hotel elevators were, were to my left and the bar was to the right. And I could hear the other guys in there. And I thought, if I walk in there, mm -hmm. am I going to be a reminder that their friend yeah. and brother just died? Will I get a murky reception? Should I just sort of, you know, piss off and go to the hotel or go, go to my room? And, <clears throat> you know, that, that would have been the easy choice. But I, I decided right there, no, I'm going to go in. I'm going to say hi. And when I walked in there, it was immediately like, oh, Todd, hey, hey. And, you know, they pulled up a chair. And I sat with them and I listened to them tell John stories. Uh, you know, they'd laugh and they'd cry and they'd laugh and they'd cry. And I think that was sort of the moment that, you know, I literally had a seat at the table mm. from that point on. And come to think of it, they've never really told me I have the job. I've just been kind of hanging around for 25 years now. <laughs> your 25th hey, hey, I have a question. When you got the gig, uh, did you have a, a, a lot of drums at that point in your life? Yeah, not not this, but I, I did. I, I had several kits. I probably had I probably had twenty snare drums. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you pick what you were going to take on the tour? Um, well, I I was a I was a sonar guy back then, um, and I had I had just purchased the year before a designer series kit, which was like the top of the line at, at that time. So I thought, well, I I have this. And that's that's what I used. I didn't do the whole you know calling them up and then trying to 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 you know finagle some sort of thing right i love these drums i'm this this is my instrument right now i'm gonna i'm gonna use these right. so it was a very simple decision at at that point hmm. not a great story but it, it was a simple decision what, what are you playing now <laughs> what, what brand are you playing now uh, i've been with pearl for uh, uh 20 years pearl, uh yeah. 21 years now um so this is a masterworks yeah. kit in uh black limba um maple gum with a 24 karat gold hardware and a wow. gold rack. I don't know if you can really see, like even the clutch is gold. Yeah. Gold. Wow. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So that, yeah, man. that this, this has been the kit that just stays here. It doesn't go yeah. anywhere. It's been and this rack has been here. Geez, since Actually, 2010. I had, I, had, I had Pearl for a while and my Pearl were gold hardware. Well, actually, it was actually brass hardware. They're black bass drums with uh, red lacquer tom-toms, you know? And then uh, I had the reverse. I had red bass drums with black lacquer toms with all brass hardware. And they look really good. Pearl made That's gorgeous good, stuff. Good drums. Hey, yeah. Todd, Yo, guys, what kind of video uh, switch you got there with all those cameras? This is this is a uh, Blackmagic Design what? ATEM Mini. Oh, okay. There's, there's the foot cam. Look at that. Yeah, and we're just we're just trying to get Carmine not to have his phone ring during the show. But look what you guys. <laughs> I'm looking that up now. <laughs> and look what you guys. Have. Oh my God! You know, each week yeah. uh, we do what a. Kind a of, wait a minute! Wait. What kind of cameras are those? Are they all the same cameras too? It's GoPros. These? Yeah. Yeah. Th these are uh, GoPro uh, Hero Seven yeah. Black. Okay. I mean, have you, you spared been... no expense there, man? Hey Todd, have you been like just doing uh, some? Lockdown remotes from there and, and then back and forth. Because I know you guys have a new album yeah. coming out. You guys have a new album coming out, right? Yeah, we, we do. We just announced it last week, actually. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, when I built this place, I just wanted a soundproof place where I could 
go. And then out of necessity, it became a recording studio. And then with the pandemic, it became a film studio. <laughs> so yeah, that's cool. I, I wonder what it'll become next. Um, <laughs> but, that's great. So yeah, so, so I got all this stuff and it, uh, you know, when the pandemic hit, I'm not an engineer. I don't know how to run any of this stuff. I, I don't have the interest in learning it. spending untold hours troubleshooting electronics because I see people who know how to run this stuff, how much crap they got to fix. And that's, you know, if you remember the beginning of SCTV with the TV sets going out the window, yep. yeah. that would be me trying to figure this stuff out. Yeah. Um, it would so, be a great bar. I mean, really <laughs> would. It would. It would end up being that, uh, except there's no restroom out here. You ever oh, have to go in right. the house. Um, but uh, there's, there's a, a, a program called Audio Movers Listen To. And that uh, is on the main setup over there. And any engineer anywhere in the world can run the rig. And then other people can get a, a invite leak, a, a private invite link. And they can listen in their studios in, in full res uh, uh, audio. So I've been doing records like that where, you know, hey, can you play something different in the going into the second chorus? Sure. Punch me in, JR, my engineer, who's at his house, and boom. And so we did the new Sticks record here like that. I did 17 songs in three days. Wow. Problem That's free. Fabulous, man. What a, what a gorgeous setup. Um, you know, each week we do a... <laughs> not me. <laughs> yeah, right. He just uh, said not him. Yeah. No, no, JR, you know, because this, this, you know, this was last June. So he masked up. Wow. I open up. Come on in, put that stuff in there, make it work, and get the hell out of here. So which one of the Black Magics one? I got them online now. Which one is yours? The Mini. <laughs> the Mini? ATM Mini, yeah. The Black Magic ATEM Mini? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the one. Cool. Order, order half a dozen. Yeah. Did you do that Dom Flemmer Arrow um, video thing yet? I, I actually did. Yeah, I just did mine yesterday. It took me four and a half hours. <laughs> of uh, I was the engineer, I was the video guy, and I played. It was okay. A Forget about it. Forget I'm about gonna, it. I'm actually got I, Nico McBrain's coming over here on Monday to, Nico. to do his, and I'm going to engineer and video him. Good luck. Please tell him hello. Yeah. Good luck on that. Yeah, I know. Good luck when, on that one. When That's when videos great. involved, man. Oh, it's so a whole nother story. Nightmare. Except then, for Todd, he's set up. And I did, it's and a I, tough but, one. but that's what everyone wants now. Everyone, hey, can you do drum tracks? And I'm like, hey, can you fil film it? And I'm like, so I got to shower now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, I got to do your hair exactly. now. Like, yeah. I, yeah, I can't, I can't wear my jammy pants. Can send you. <laughs> Use a Vinny hat. Right. I mean, I have, my, right. I have my underwear on now, but nobody can see below, below here. You know? <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Well, on, that, on those, sparkly. on those visuals, on those visuals, hey Ron, what are you wearing sure. under that jacket? I bet you'd like to know, bro. Right? I bet you'd like to know. <laughs> hey guys, we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Welcome back to Hanging and Banging, right here on Artist on Lockdown. All right, very good. Every Thursday, Artist on Lockdown, Hanging and Banging, just like tonight. With these guys, we got Matt Pinfield, Todd Zuckerman with us tonight. And you guys, thank you so much for joining us. This is just so much fun. Hey, I like that you. little leg twist you did there. That was kind of <laughs> very happy of, you know, very happy. You know, I it's thought something... he made a good host. It was like a really good 
high energy commercial. <laughs> Come on, I mean, you, so you got to see what, what we're comparing these uh, that commercial Todd, to, guys. Todd and Matt, guys this is this is Ron's first commercial, so we're critiquing. Yeah, give it a shot on, on the air. He did a, a he did a good job, Ron. It reminded me of some of the I'm sure some of the commercials that Vinny and Carmine and I saw. You know, uh, growing up, coming up in the years on New York TV, right? Exactly. Right. New Back York in TV. Maybe, you know, PIX or uh, AW yeah, yeah, yeah. five, five, nine, and eleven, right? I yeah. mean, those, you know. Yeah. But it's I mean, Matt, you, you've obviously done so many interviews, so many shows, talked to so many people. But I really, I've got some, I just questions. I want to know all about in two thousand five when you brought the Rolling Stones together in the same room. First time, I don't know, was it like in 30 years or something? Yeah, it was about 33 years, I guess, or something to that effect where they had all been in the same room during an interview. And then since then, they haven't done it either, which was a pretty amazing thing. It was a, I consider myself very lucky and blessed to have done it. Um, it was, you know, around the time of the album, A Bigger Bang. And when Charlie Watts, guys, you, we got three drummers on here. When Charlie got the throat cancer, the guys got a little, they started to talk think about their mortality you know and so what they had done for the first time in years when they made that album a bigger bang was they actually made the record together because you know for all those 80s albums and the early like in 90s albums after tattoo you were you know they were never in the same place together almost almost never or at least not all of them maybe it, it two at the most if you were lucky everything was done remotely kind of like everybody's been doing things since the lockdown right you know yeah right but uh so they were putting out a new album, and uh, I had just done a, like an event. Like a, I did, I've done many album specials over the years, you know, when people put out an album and the radio will carry it, rock radio will carry it. And uh, I had just done with you with 2 for the How Did This Men on Atomic Bomb one at Sony Studios. And Jagger watched it, and he saw, or, or he listened to it, I'm sorry. But, uh, but he listened to it. And when they were looking for somebody to do it, he said, let's, let's get that guy, Matt Pinfield. So I was very blessed. I was lucky. And uh, they walked in, guys, like two minutes before airtime. It was like uh, the studio's premiere has. Then now I guess iHeart owns on top of Radio City Music Hall. And I'm sitting there. Luckily, I taped the intro already, right? And I'm standing there. And literally, I'm like, where, where are these guys? And all like the main clear channel dudes are in the other window. And then sure enough. <laughs> First guy in is Ronnie. Ronnie Wood comes in and sits down right over here. And he had just gotten out of rehab at that point, okay? Next was Keith. Keith came in, and he was drinking Grey Goose and Fanta Orange Soda. That was his drink. <laughs> and I was like, Keith, where's the Jack and Cokes? What's going on? And he You're like, a real so, man here. Yeah, like, you know, so I asked. Anyway, and then, and then, of course, next, Mick came in and then Charlie. And the four of them sat down in, like, a semicircle around me on the other side of the table. I was where the controls and the computer was, and um, and I sat there and I did a two-hour live interview with the Stones that was being broadcast Man. all over the United wow. States. Wow. And and I will tell you something, guys, you'll appreciate because you know some people would think, oh, they're going to be jaded. Oh, they're not going to want to talk about anything. Oh, they've seen it all. They were so having so much fun. They were so enthusiastic. I mean, everybody's personality is exactly what you would think. I mean, Keith was joking around, having a great time. Mick was the consummate gentleman, bringing it back around during the interview. Charlie, I was told, this is a great story. I was told by their press guy, this guy named uh, Peter King or John King, who had been with them literally since the London record days. I think he was with them like all the way since like Aftermath or something. And uh, he said to me, he goes, Matt, I want to tell you something. When you go to ask Charlie a question, count to three slowly. If he doesn't answer, 
turn and go to one of the other guys. So I asked Charlie Watts a question, right? So I go like this. I'm like, I ask a question. I'm counting in my mind. One, two. And sure enough, he jumps right in at three. So I never had to do it. He got there quick enough. But I guess in some past interviews, they were a little uh, concerned. But the best part about it, guys, that you'll appreciate as Stones fans, right, is that when we were off, like when we were playing the album, because it was all live, you know, it wasn't taped and then cut together. This was being done live for two hours, being broadcast around the U.S. and New Zealand and Japan at the same time. Um, I was talking to them about like, you know, I don't know, like B-sides of like Child of, of Jumpin' Jack Flash, Child of the Moon. Talking about when they played the, the Capitol Theater in Passaic for the Some Girls Tour. They opened a, did a small show there in 1978. And just like asking them all kinds of questions about different things. And they were literally, not only would they answer my question, but then they would start a conversation between them. So all the Stones, and they were totally, it was like kind of like it got them excited. And it was really yeah. great. So at the end yeah. of the interview, you know, Mick said to me, he goes, man, Matt, he goes, that was a great interview. And then Keith says, he goes, Matt, he goes, that was a great interview. It was fucking painless. <laughs> he said it was painless. I'll never but, forget it. And that's a compliment coming from Keith, right? Uh, so, and, since they have, and, and they haven't done it since. I mean, that's a huge compliment. Yeah, they've only done them separate. You know, like I've seen them do some, uh, you know, when when they re-released like Exile or or uh, Some Girls or, you know, I mean, I, I Goat's Head, whatever it happens to be, they will do them separately. It's kind of back to just Keith and Mick doing all the interviews separately. So I was, it was really like, you know, I'm honored that I got the opportunity to do that. What a blessing it was. And oh they were gosh, just yeah. so cool. You know what I mean? And is that on YouTube that or anything? Uh, the audio is. The audio is. Yeah. Oh, there's the there's some audio clip. Yeah. Because at the time there wasn't really video. It was a radio broadcast. So, yeah. but there were pictures and stuff like that. I wish, don't yeah. you wish, I wish I had, Photos I mean, of a lot of, of a lot of things for uh, video. What, what, what year was that, Matt? What year? Like 2003 or four. I mean, think about four or five, somewhere like I think that. It was five, actually. Yeah, yeah. So it was around that time, but it was it was incredible uh, to have the opportunity to do that with the Stones. You know, so. Oh, that's. Really... I mean, you know, it means a lot to me because like, it's like you know when I so when I talk to you guys, everybody on this call, and you know, I've been been fans of all of yours for a long time, it's, you know, one of those things where I love to do band interviews and I love rock and roll and I've loved rock, you know, it's been driving me all my life. So, you know, the people that have gotten interviewed, I feel very, very blessed, you know, like, you know, Paige Plant and, and John Paul Jones or Townsend and Daltrey or, you know, I mean, the, there's, I've, it's just been an incredible experience for me, you know, Paul and Ringo, never, you know, Ringo and I actually are friends, you know, out here, well, when I'm back in Los Angeles, which is amazing that, you know, to hang with. He's the only with guy, the only Beatle I never met. Which you guys would get along great. Here you guys would get along unbelievably. I know that, you know, and I know he knows who you are because I know we've talked about music, oh, yeah. you know, well, on a Monday I, night. I did with one of his, the DVD dedicated to Ringo a few years ago. And, uh, and he was on the cover and, and he had to approve it all. So I know. He don't know who Vinny is, but he knows who I am. <laughs> hey, can I ask you guys, did you, because you guys were up in New York. I got to just ask you, Carmine, Vinny, did you guys ever see the Beatles? Um, uh, you probably play, uh, played, like, Vinny, you, were, you were playing at the same time for a while. I, play, I played with John Lennon for a bit. You, and you were on, like, Walls and Bridges, right? Was that what you did? Around that time, yeah. And then uh, we started with doing hand claps on the Whatever Gets You Through the Night, my band. But I was yeah. like six, 16 years old. I was going yeah. to high school. 
And then uh, we had a room up the record plant to rehearse. We were managed by them, and John would come in all the time and sit down, watch us, smoke some joints with them, and uh, played pool with them. And then uh, he asked us to do a couple of videos, and then he asked us to do a live show at the New York Hilton that was on TV. And we did it, and uh, and I was still going to high school the next day, so it was and really tell crazy. Tell them that story. Tell them the high school and, story. That's and amazing. Then, and then, uh, and then, um, then I found out a couple of years ago that was his last live appearance. Wow. So I would go to school the next day, and I'm drumming on the desk, you know, and all that shit. The teacher's trying to teach, and she's going, wait a minute, wait, a minute. who's that drumming? And she point, <laughs> Vincent, stop that drumming. <laughs> And I'd stand up and go, hey, excuse me, did anyone else in this room play with one of the Beatles last night? <laughs> that's great. And I got oh, off and left. I left. That's, oh, that's that was great. great. Yeah. But that, like you know, that, that's the, the cool parts of, you know, the, the human parts of you guys. I mean, you guys are big stars, but you're also fans as well. And, you know, um, uh, I, I go to Todd because, Todd, you know, in, I mean, you guys in L.A. and, and other in, in Nashville, whatever, there's so many stars, so many big bands. Chicago, we have Chicago. We have uh, Smashing Pumpkins. We don't, Earth, Wind, and Fire. We have a whole lot. But, you know, Todd, you're growing up in Chicago. But you had Gene Krupa. I know, but we didn't have Gene Krupa. My dad <laughs> yeah. had Gene Krupa. <laughs> yeah. But who we had, who we Todd did. and I had, <laughs> we've got to be relatively the same age, kind yeah. of. Yeah. Todd and I had sticks and all of a sudden you're playing for them todd what did did that hit you like i know we talked about the john connection there but as a fan of sticks and all of a sudden you know you're from chicago to play with one of chicago's you know pinnacle bands how did that make you feel uh, you know it my first meeting with them was i i was called for a session to to ghost drum for john um a and m was going to put out the definitive sticks greatest hits Mm-hmm. Lady, the, which is their first hit, was on another record label, and there was something about not getting the sound, uh, 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 you know, the, the the rights to the original sound recording. So they thought, let's re-record it, and that's when John was in ill health. This would have been in March of '95. So it was just a recording session for me, which I was doing uh, a lot of uh, in in those days in Chicago. I was doing a lot of jingles. I was doing like 20 to 30 sessions a month. I'm like, why the hell do I want to move to LA or New York? This is, you know, this was great. Um, but that was just a, I went in, I played the song. Great to meet you guys. I saw you guys as a kid. I had all your records and goodbye, you know, and and you leave like a session guy. Um, but it wasn't until the next year that they asked me, you know, what are you doing this summer? Would you be interested in doing this? And the gig is still John's predicated on, you know, if, if he gets better. So um, there wasn't a lot of time to kind of do the like, gee, pinch me like thing, because mm-hmm. there was a task to right. be completed. There yeah. was a job to be done. I had I knew the music, so I had to play the music and make sure that those guys were comfortable and, and make them be able to do their thing. Um, and it really wasn't until I think, the first time we played Chicago on that, that first tour were, I realized, you know, like, holy shit, I've got, you know, like 30 people out there and like teachers, you know, grade school teachers and friends. And that's when it kind of hit me. Uh, And then I immediately had to stop writing that useless wave of emotion and get back or I'd screw up the tempo. I'd play the songs too fast. If I, if I dwelled on that type of thing. So the, the, I'm I'm pretty good at at swiping away the, the gee, isn't this great pinch me moments and getting the job done. And then there'll be time to reflect on 
you know, ain't life grand later when I'm yeah. not in the, in the midst of it. Right. You know, that was there, you know, I was actually there and I remember it well, be only, be only because I remember like yesterday, the tribute that they did to John with his picture up on the video screen, like really, really like massive. And it was such a, a, a an emotional, an emotional show. Yeah, to me. Yeah, they, they all were after he died. I mean, that's, you know, uh, I had never had the experience of, um, doing a full scale tour like that in, until that point. And then having the guy I replaced die in the middle of it. I mean, the whole thing was very, um, surreal. Matt, yeah. Yeah. Matt, was, have, yeah. Matt, did you have a question? I'm sorry. Oh, you know, it's funny. I was just going to say to Todd, you know, it's interesting because that whole thing with that, with lady, it's kind of cool that that ended up working out that way that they couldn't get the rights to it. Uh, because it was originally on this indie label called wooden nickel that mm -hmm. RCA distributed. And right, supposedly right. the guy who owned that label was a, was a dick, and he didn't want to like he under any circumstances license it for some kind of whatever. Mm -hmm. It was hurt feelings, so that worked out great, regardless. And that version <laughs> you guys did on that CD was really good. I mean, it was a great version of it. Incredible. It worked out great for me and bad for him because because that sold about three million copies that he would have been able had a taste of if he would have said yes. Yeah, but that worked that worked out all right for me. Perfect. As you know, some Todd, people cut off their uh, nose. Let's fast your face. forward to your solo album. Holy moly, Todd! Let's let's uh, let's fast forward to your solo album. The last first time. Okay, the the, the last last flight home. Last flight home. Your last flight yeah. home solo album. It seemed like now. Were you doing vocals on that? Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, it, it, I, the the person that was surprised the most was myself uh, <laughs> because uh, my my buddy J.K. Harrison, who is a buddy from the old days, had been hounding me for years. Like, dude, dude let's do a record. I want to do a record with you. And I always thought it was cute that he thought that I could do that. Um, but he was tenacious and, uh, and stayed on me. And it just hit me at a, at a, at a time when um, he'd moved to Los Angeles and I was going to be in Los Angeles for about a week and a half and had some time off in between what I was doing there. And I thought, okay, you pain in the ass, let's get together and see, you know, what we come up with. And at the very least, we'll have uh, a bunch of drinks and a bunch of laughs and I, you know, hang out with my pal. And we wrote a couple of songs like that it happened so quickly. I was taken aback. And um, it, it, it started to take form. And, I, and I, I immediately became very frightened at the notion of getting out from behind the safety of the wood and the metal. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought there was going to be an internet backlash of, you know, hey, Zuckerman, what do you think? You're a big singing star now. Why don't you <laughs> shut the hell up and get behind the drums where you belong? That was Carmine. Um, that was Carmine. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, when, I, but when it, I sang, I just stayed behind the drums. I fronted the band. Man. I fronted the band when I I sang a lot with BBA. I fronted BBA and and uh, from behind the drums. I learned a lot actually, but I, I didn't want to be up there. The only I go up there now when me and Vinny do something. I I, I carry a snare drum on a on a on a strap and I play the snares with a pick. <laughs> you know, and it creates a really cool effect. But that's the only time I like to come out, or if I come out and play stick clicking, you know. But uh, but I mean, you you get out there you, and sing. You, you it sang, just doesn't feel right. No, but you say, but even even just the act of singing, like you did it from an, an early age, yeah. and you know, uh, I, whereas I 
didn't develop the confidence until later. You had that early on, playing or not. Because it's one thing if someone, you know, doesn't like your drumming or something, but when it's, when it's your voice. Yeah, it's personal. You, you yes, you it's really personal. You can't change your voice. <laughs> you can't. You can't. What's yeah, the uh, I, I background all between my life. Uh, I started singing doo-wop when I was a kid, and then, and then I, I, I did, like, uh, all, my, all the gigs in the clubs. You know, I sang songs. You know, we did R&B songs. And <clears> I sang. We had singers. I sang some. I always sang background. It was mm-hmm. always from the kit. Matter of fact, I didn't get a double bass drum kit earlier than when I did get it because I couldn't afford to buy a boom man, a boom stand that I would have needed for the double bass kits for the mic. Because I used to have the mic right here next to me. And if I had a double bass, I couldn't fit the mic in there. So. <laughs> Do you, what, was the, uh, what was the story behind uh, uh, Ad Lib Everything, one of my favorite uh, cuts, uh, uh, titles? <laughs> Um, that, that, that was a song that J.K. Harrison had pretty well completed. Um, and it just had this sort of drunken pirate, uh, <laughs> taking acid at the Moulin Rouge in 1890s sort of vibe to it. And I thought, <laughs> what? well, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I thought let's, let's, let's do that. It had a couple like, like Bob Dylan and a pirate hat. And then, but with, it was a little Alice Cooperish to me. Yeah. It, it I was charmed by the peculiarity of that that piece of music that re, you know it doesn't sound like anything except the elements that I just mentioned. Um, so it, it it people either get it or they don't. But I I I had a blast doing it. And actually, I learned something about uh, when I played drums on that particular song. That was one song in particular I envisioned. Ooh, there's you know uh, one or two moments that I might be able to do a little something yeah. over here you know and then when i went to record it and i did it it screwed up the song it was like there was a a, a narrator and then in between a breath like and drums and back to the story it's it totally screwed it up so i thought oh geez you know if i just really s- simplify this smooth it out and become part of the story instead of looking at it from a drummer's perspective where can i sneak in a little something here um <laughs> You know, that was a, you know, even with all the experience, I'd like to think that I have every now and then the drummer's ego still wants to. <laughs> yep. Yep. Want, you know, it pushed you. It, so, it seems like it pushed you. That was that was that was a learning experience, that that whole thing and that song in particular, actually. So, Matt, your 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 podcast, uh, I thought was really, really cool. Really interesting perspective in a lonely place. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's funny. I don't do it anymore because I right. did it just during lockdown. Thank you for that. It was a. Uh, it's a it's a Humphrey Bogart movie, a Smithereen song, and it was like uh, it was a great title for being by myself in my uh, in my apartment mm-hmm. and just interviewing people. But I do have a new podcast that's coming out Friday, guys. I do want to tell you about. It's Please. very short, so you don't have to invest too much time in it. It's they're seven to eight minutes long, and they're on Spotify. Okay, and it's called Mist Riffs, and it's comedy. So imagine behind the music meets Spinal Tap, and. Uh, the Ruddles and things like that. That's what it is. It's, <laughs> it's fake bands and fake artists and their stories about how they were one riff away from superstardom, right? They don't, they, they don't exist. And these really crazy songs that these guys have written. So I'm working with these guys. It's really funny. If you go to Spotify now and check it out, there's a trailer on there. Once again, it's called Missed Riffs. And, and there's three short episodes coming out on Friday. They're always short. They're like, like I said, so you can blow through them in like seven or eight minutes. It's the story... 
that is ridiculous, and then it's the song that's even crazier. So it's it's really fun. But there's Sounds a two minute. Cool. You guys will join it if you as, as music yeah. lovers. You know, we all love send, music. Send us the link. I'll do that. I definitely will because you guys will and really you, enjoy you, it. And yeah, you send mentioned. The link. That, hey Todd, yeah, I gotta mentioned. get your phone number. I'd like to talk to you more about uh, the video stuff. Uh -oh. Yeah, right on, man. Yeah. Sure, sure. Well, yeah. I, I'm going to probably put you in touch with my engineer because he's the one that really, really does it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah man, I, I, I can help I'd, out. I'd like to talk to you about the Dom thing we just did. I want to see what part you played. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I'm so busy this month. I, I, I thought, how am I going to do this? I, I'm, I'm completely slammed, happily, thankfully slammed this month. Yeah. And then Dom said, well, maybe could you just do a four, the four-bar solo? And then maybe at the end I said, ah, yeah, how can I say no? Yeah. So I did. I did a four-bar solo, and then I, I played from a letter T on the chart to the end. Yeah. That's all I, I had time I, to do. I didn't bother looking at the chart. I looked at the numbers on the on the thing. You know, I said no, I don't want to. Put you <laughs> hey, you know, uh, uh, hey Matt, you just chartless. Matt, you just chartless. you just uh, yes, shirtless or chartless. Matt, you just Char mentioned chartless uh, or shirtless. These chartless guys, in so. Miami. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned Spinal Tap, Matt, but. Todd, you've got history with those guys. I think you're either toured or on an album with them. I mean, what yeah. that whole dynamic with Spinal Tap? Uh, I, I did um, I did the Tonight Show with those guys in 2000. I did a couple other TV shows in 2009, and I played two songs on the uh, Derek Smalls solo record. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, I mean, clearly they're comedic geniuses it's a firing squad of comedy but they really play and they want to play well they take it seriously were they, I mean, were they on 11 were they on 11 <laughs> well, what always i don't know about that but i i did see christopher <laughs> guest uh bong um uh, uh, like a marshall uh head he didn't like the sound of that one and they brought him another you one know. so you know he's he's into it he's not just like ah, oh, that's fine i'm just doing this they they uh they want to play and have fun and sound good doing it. I got a funny story about that. When that when that uh, thing came out, that movie came out, I was with King Cobra, right? And we were playing theaters, little theaters, opening up for people. And I felt like I was living that thing, you know? Because we'd go to try and get to the stage and we got lost. We did that <laughs> too. Downstairs in that. the boiler room, you know, we're, yeah. where the hell's the stage? And then we, we, we'd go up. On, on the bus and look at it on the bus and I said turn that off man I didn't even want to see that I feel like I'm living this because I just came out of like you know Ozzy and Rod Stewart playing you know six nights at the forum and all that stuff and now I'm, I'm can't find the stage I'm in the boiler room you know we played yeah. se it, it, we played seven nights at the forum just for the uh, yeah yeah okay all right all right all right all right you too even even backstage we're, we're playing uh, um the Daily Show with John Stewart, and those guys had ordered sandwiches. I went out for some pizza. And I, I came back, and Christopher Guest opens up his sandwich, and looks at me. and goes, "Would you look at that?" And there was so much meat, and there was tiny little bread on there. And I'm like, "All these years later, the man just wants large-sized bread. Can someone get him large-sized bread?" <laughs> his writer. It's got to be his writer. That's the best. That's great. Nah, they're cool guys. So you guys, hey, Matt, what you got? Are you still up? I'm sorry, yeah. go ahead. Oh, oh, you were going to ask me what I'm doing. You know, I still have my yes. syndicated yeah, radio what you, got, you, you got you KLOS know, going? Yeah, I have KLOS Sunday nights. I do like a new rock countdown where I also play, like what I do, it's interviews, 
So one week it's like, you know, it's Angus Young. The next week it's Royal Blood or like the Pretty Reckless or, you know, or, or it's Sammy Hagar or Michael Anthony or, you know. Kodiak, uh, Kodiak so, next. Yeah, and, oh, you know, and I got a great time. Can I say I have a show coming out that I'm a part of that Carmine and I were just hanging out on shooting. Yeah. It's a great band from Jersey, Kodiak, uh, who I love, right? Those guys are amazing. Yeah, yeah. And um, such, there's so much good young talent. So there's a show coming out that Alice Cooper and uh, Gavin Rostell and, uh, you know, people like uh, Tristan Bossi, Lizzie Hale from Hailstorm are all judges yeah. on this uh, thing called No Cover. And it's a rock music original song competition. So it's like the opposite of voice in American Idol. You have to actually write your own songs, which is instead of doing covers. So we shot the show and they're editing it right now. And I'm not sure which streaming service or network it's going to be on. But, it was a lot uh, of fun, though. It was fun seeing all, yeah, all my old friends. I loved having you there, Carmine, because I got yeah. to pick your brain about about the BBA albums and yeah. the Fudge <laughs> records and everything. Yeah. It was yeah. so much fun. You know, good. I always wanted to ask you. And we had a blast. It was great hanging with you there, yeah. you know. Yeah, so, so that's cool. And, you know, just so you know, like, yeah, I'm on KLOS Sunday night. It's called New and Approved. It's a rock countdown of new rock. But then I do album anniversaries. So I'll, like, do something like mob rules or holy diver that you know you were on Vinny, and talk about you guys or i'll i'll do something that carmine's on or even todd yeah. you guys cool. so like i do that so it's not just new music i'll do stuff and i'll tell stories about songs and and recording sessions and we so were that's... listening to you on sunday driving home with nancy wilson oh you heard it yeah. oh, no, but shit. i was waiting for the song for oh it came Halen. Oh, it was playing. Oh, the instrumental was playing under it because it was a quiet instrumental. Did you hear it? No. And then we. Oh, you didn't hear it? I don't know. He can't hear hearing aids. And I'm waiting. He's a drummer. Hello. He's a drummer. Come on, he can't hear nothing. Yeah. Believe it or not, I'll tell you a funny story. It was it was played under it because it's a very quiet instrumental. It was like the story of the song. And then we played her duet. She or she did a song with Duff McKagan and with Taylor Hawkins. Uh, party at, uh, at the Angel Ballroom, which was about like Tom Petty and Chris Cornell and, and people that had passed. So yeah. and Eddie, another song. So we played that, and then you know, you know so you, were, so Vinny, you're living, at, you're living in L.A. Yeah, I'm down uh, near Temecula. No in kidding, San Diego. Yeah, dude, yeah. that's amazing. I didn't know you were listening. You got to come on the show, then you're close. You know, yeah, I come, I come on the show. <laughs> yeah, you got to do come that. That's crazy. I'll send you an email yeah. after this. Yeah, yeah we'll do that. That's your balls to be busted. Yeah, I want all you guys on this show. Just, just don't wear a white funny. jacket, I tell you. Uh, quit yeah. picking on me. You. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Matt, we wish you the best. Uh, Todd, we hope, uh, I'm sure you'll be hitting the uh, the tour circuit uh, on the the new, uh, the 17th studio album, Sticks is dropping in June, Crash of the Crown. You'll probably be touring that uh, this year, hopefully. You guys going out? Uh, yeah, we're going out. We're doing nine shows next month. So, oh, that's great. Uh, you know, b- baby steps into a new world that we once knew very well, and it's you know, going to be some new terrain. Yeah. Todd, I'm excited. I got to meet you one of these days. I gotta I, just, I, yeah, man. Right on. And also, Tommy's going to be on the show soon. Just so he's going to be on my on the on the KLOS show. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, cool, T- you know? Tell him hello. <laughs> <laughs> right. Did you guys do – was the album made in lockdown? Like, is that was how it was? Yeah. Like? yeah. Yeah, I mean, I did everything here in, in three days, and then – there you go, lads. Yeah. Ha- have at it. Uh, yeah. That's how we did. I mean, I, I mean, I haven't seen any of the guys since February of 2020. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, Matt, maybe you could feature. I think, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's Paradise Theater's 40th anniversary this year of Sticks. So yeah. maybe you could feature that album mm-hmm. on your show as a have to do something from album. it. Oh yeah. 
Anything? Absolutely. Yeah. Always. I love to go back and do album anniversaries and talk about the recordings and songs and what the songs are about. It's it's a blast. I mean, it's it's you know, I live for that. I mean, I love. I just love. That's music why your interviews history. are so good, Matt, because you're passionate about music, rock, everything, and and yeah, you live it. And some of these guys do do interviews, and you go, they seem bored. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You're and, in I, it, that, man. That's a shot. Thank you, Vinny. I appreciate that's, that's really nice of you to say. That means a lot to me. Yeah. Guys, because, yeah. It's really that's good. something. It's good. Even I felt that when you did it at that No Cover show, you were yeah, very I, enthusiastic. Unlike. Most Some of people. Other guys, you know? Yeah. I had an interview the other day. A guy goes, so in this other interview, you said that uh, Tony Iommi. I'm going, what are you reading the other interview for? <laughs> yeah, I just ask me. <laughs> right. Come up with something new. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, you know I, I got to say this, guys. I mean, it's I just <clears throat> because I love music so much and I love rock and roll, and I really care about it passionately. Right. And, those, and what you guys shows. are doing and thinking when you're creating and, and uh, coming up with the ideas of the instruments that you play, and the songs that you write, to me, that's what I live for. I'm, it's, it's my passion. And I've never lost any of that that's that right. I've had since I was a kid. You know, I just because it's still what drives me. I mean, you know, I, I just love music so much and I'm really grateful. Guys, I'm super grateful that I'm still doing it all these years well, later. You know what? You know? We, <laughs> we yeah, we all are. When we get this new song by Fudge out, we're going to send you a copy. Oh, yeah, I'm dying to hear it, man. You know that. It's got the same kind of power as Hanging On. Yeah. And, you know, Hanging On was mono. I know, right? That's scary. A, we're missing this one, mono. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're doing it. That's cool you're doing it, mono. That's great. Yeah, and I'm using my old Ludwig bass drum that has that old sound, too. So. Yeah. That record sounded like thunder, man. It's so powerful. The bass drum was the loudest thing on You Keep Me Hanging On. It was the yeah. loudest thing on <laughs> the record. It's so great. <laughs> yeah, so. I love that. It's just, Matt, it never just, uh, loses a power. No. Listen, you know? Matt, we got we to gotta thank you for joining us tonight. Very, very exciting to meet you and see you live in person. We wish you the best. Keep on going. Be strong for a lot of us out there. A lot of people are, are, are really appreciative of what you've accomplished going through your struggles and being as successful as you've been. God bless you, brother. Amen. Uh, oh, Todd, you, you know, all the best to you tra uh, traveling on the road, hitting it hard, uh, touring your new album. It's been an honor to talk to you and, and you know, Keep uh, the Chicago blood going, brother. Really appreciate it. Todd Zuckerman. Yes. I had Lou Melnati's pizza tonight, just See, so you know. He's a real <laughs> deal. Real deal guy. We're going to send you some Gene and Juice hot dogs or some other things. We're going to send you <laughs> hey, some you gotta, Portillo's. You've got to have some Iran's, some Iran's meatballs. Meatballs. Uh, yeah, that's that's great. Uh, great meatballs. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? On, on that note, on that meatball note, Todd, Todd Suckerman, Matt Bidfield, thank you so much for joining us. Hanging and banging. Everybody, make sure you Great smash, you guys. smash you. that Facebook uh, uh, page to like us and follow us, on our, follow us on our YouTube channel, our podcast on Spotify. Hear us on iHeartRadio. We're here every Thursday, 6 o'clock Central, 7 p.m. Eastern on Hanging and Banging, Artists on Lockdown. Next week, you'll see the guys from The Alarm. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to my co-host. Uh, Carmine and Vinny, love you, brothers. Have a great week, guys, and we'll see you next week, next Thursday, on Hanging and Banging. Bye-bye. <laughs>